Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Charlie G's Restaurant on the south side of Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana. Most of us get up in the morning and go off to a regular job. Some of us work in occupations that are not quite so normal. Today, I want to introduce you to folks who are marching to the beat of their own drum. The conventional wisdom about starting a new businesses target a specific market. Dustin Melanson and his wife Jennifer decided to throw that idea right out the window. Instead, they set out to manufacture a product that can be enjoyed by sophisticates and punks. What product could satisfy that wide of a target market? Turns out cupcakes, Sophie P. Cakes a self-described cup catering that has been in business in Lafayette since 2010. Sophie, without an E at the end, is short for sophisticated, and P is for punk. Dustin, welcome out to lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. Our entrepreneur du jour today is Andrew Clennert. Now, we met Andrew through Innovate Acadiana and the Opportunity Machine, regional nonprofits that help Acadian entrepreneurs turn innovative ideas into profitable enterprises. Uh, Andrew is taking on the holy grail of adolescence. Imagine if you could cure acne. And while you're at it, how about eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, cold sores, bug bites, poison ivy, and even pet radishes? Well, that's what Andrew's product, Time Out, is on the road to doing. Time is spelled T-H-Y-M-E. Andrew's all-natural product is made here in Lafayette and shipped to 18 states and 150 stores around the country, including Walgreens. Uh, Andrew, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Andrew, curing skin complaints from acne to eczema is a whole industry. Now, although dermatologists do a lot more than that, many of their professional hours are spent treating basic skin disorders, uh, which often seem to elude standard successful treatment. Your solution is to use the herb thyme as a basis of a cure for all these complaints. What is your background and how did you come up with Time Out? I actually, uh, my background, believe it or not, was actually a teacher. I was a teacher for years, huh. a high school teacher, but I actually stumbled into this in 2012. I actually read an article and it was actually about this study that was done in the UK at a university that actually developed the product. There was no name of Time Out. The actual product that's in the bottle is what they developed. They went through all the trouble of taking an ancient quote-unquote remedy for skin issues, and they thought, let's try thyme, let's try oregano, let's try all these historically famous herbs, see if we can make something as strong as we can, and then just see how that works against modern drugs in comparison. That was the whole purpose of their study. And it made the news because time blew everything out of the water. I mean, just hands down, no side effects. It, it healed things quicker. It took care of the symptoms, the itching, the burning, the pimples, the, whatever the issues was. And uh, I just happened to have a friend that was actually part of the study. I literally called him up and said, how'd you do it? I want it for myself. 
I just, I wasn't thinking entrepreneurial at the moment. I was literally thinking about, look, I still deal with adult acne in my age. You know, pimple here, pimple there. By the way, uh, it's radio and you look terrific. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh, it works. But uh, anyways, that was my goal. And for my son to a teenager, same thing. So I made it for us. It worked great. I put aside all the clearasil and all the you know yeah. junk that I'd used over the years. It didn't dry my skin. It worked. Passed on to friends. They liked it too. And then, of course, at some point, a little light bulb goes off my head like, there may be a market for this. I can't be the only one who wants something all natural that actually works with no side effects. So I literally took it to our local drug emporium. We have the biggest drug emporium uh, in town of the, right. of the chain of drug emporiums. And uh, literally met the manager. I packaged it poorly. I just <laughs> made it tolerable to look at. And I said, look, I, my gut tells me this will sell. Put it up. And there's no charge. If they sell, pay me this cut on, on each one. Let's just see what happens. In a couple weeks, if it doesn't sell, say, Andrew, come get this garbage out of here. In, in four or five days, she called me and said, it's all gone. Let's set you up as a vendor. And I started improving the product, improving the packaging. Now, tell me about that. Would I, I don't know if I would see something and have never heard <laughs> it and give it a try. What do you think it was? It was, it was, it was part that. It was part, I listed the, the, the skin issues, acne, eczema, psoriasis, et cetera, and then a natural alternative. I came up with that little slogan right away, thinking, I want a natural alternative. Do other people. It was almost a test. And if nothing would happen, I'm sure I would have let it just die because I, it was a test. Am I the only one that wants this? And it quickly showed that I wasn't because there was really nothing else on the shelf. And the manager kind of realized that and thought, what the heck, let's give it a try. She made a spot for me, and that quickly it was sold out, and I started replacing them. Now I'm the number one selling item in that 40,000-square-foot store. Wow. Wow. Hands down. Wow. She just outsells everything, and she just shakes her head like, I, I can't even understand it. I, I, <laughs> we joke about it now. She doesn't understand why it sells so good. She just knows it does. And now, now I've grown in, the syrup, yeah. so what? Where does it go from there? Well, what they did in the study is uh, there's 103 species of thyme. There's not just okay. like the one you buy on the store shelf in the grocery department. I, you could make a tincture, which is what this is called, a herbal tincture, out of any herb. But what they did is the hard work of going through each of the different species, finding which ones had the best combination of compounds to work the best, honed it down, and that's kind of our trade secret is I know exactly which ones they used. And, uh, and we make you would the have tincture. to kill me if you yeah, exactly. if I found out, Take so. me out and shoot me. But, uh, yeah, it takes about three weeks to make a batch, and then it's like a slow process, cold steeping it, and then simple as that. We bottle it and package it and ship it around the country and around the world. We have a store in Mexico now. Woo, we're oh, there you go. Worldwide so, now. Yeah. That's, <laughs> awesome. what you, that's what you need. And we're talking to New Zealand. they got someone there in China. I just came back from a trade show in Vegas and uh, I have people from all these different countries that want to... Everybody has skin issues somewhere. So it's here in Lafayette good. behind your house, is there like a big bat and you've got an <laughs> no, oar? <or>? No. <laughs> it did start in a little... I had a little building uh, detached from my home that turned into like a small factory. Okay. Uh, and that was out in Sunset. And uh, now I moved into a factory here. We have a proper facility here, a bigger facility. We needed it here in Lafayette. And uh, now we've got <laughs> several thousand square feet of area, so a lot more room. Well, I know we've got another really successful guy here yeah. with us. And Dustin, um, around the time you started up Sophie P. Cakes, the cupcake was way off the, the culinary radar. It was a dish that mom served at little kids' birthday parties, a, a kind of throwaway food that didn't matter if the kids crumbled it up and actually never ate it. Um, of all the things in the world that you could do at that time, what made you and your wife want to devote your life to cupcakes? We, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say that my wife was laid off at that point in time. Oh, okay. uh, it was kind of around the 2008 uh, housing bubble right. thing. That's so, a uh, she was a pastry chef when I met her 16, 17 years ago now. Wow. Um, and so I didn't really get to try a lot of her treats back then because we're just, she was so busy making them to sell them in the places that she worked. I didn't really eat a lot of sweets anyway. But um, going back to how we started, we had a friend that went out to Vegas uh, about 10 years ago. 
they had a girls weekend, uh, went about an hour outside of Vegas to a cupcake shop. They'd never heard of such a thing. She came back and told us all about it. She knew Jen liked to bake. She said, one day you should try this. It's, it was awesome. You know, they had basically crazy flavors and little, not necessarily bite size, but a couple bite size portions. Um, and we kind of just put that on the back burner for a couple of years. Uh, well, Jen wanted to have a bakery by the time she was 35. Okay, said, that was one of her Let's do this. List, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I had a pretty decent job in sales, and uh, I decided, well, let me go try this with you. Let's see what happens. So we uh, moved into the building, fixed it up, and opened originally as a place that would have cupcakes to try, and then you'd order a cake based on that. Oh, well, okay. So basically overnight... It became a cupcake shop because <laughs> Cupcake Wars came out on TV the week we opened in 2010. Oh. It just all fell, you see that fell coming, or that was just fortuitous. Uh. Absolutely, all dumb luck. Uh, we <laughs> everything kind of worked out for us, just despite us. Basically, we started <laughs> off with one employee. So over, you know, the first couple hours we opened, sold out everything. We had to go start doing everything again, baking, making icings. We went and bought a cot so we could sleep there. Oh, uh, for the first three months, we slept there. Entrepreneurship is very glamorous. It was yes. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in the world like it. Uh, so, yeah, we, um, we basically just had a huge learning curve, uh, kind of phased ourselves out of cakes, added more cupcake flavors to our menu. And uh, within the first six months, we had already just kind of crushed it as far as selling cupcakes here in town. We decided we were going to be a cupcakery. And um, now we're five and a half years into it. Wow. And we sold, you know, probably about a million and a half cupcakes since now we opened. Now, these are very fresh, so you can't just, like, I'm, I'm I was thinking to myself, could you sell them in a grocery store? Can you do that? That's that's kind of where we're heading with our, our newer concepts. Um, Would right, you give up something, or you think you can produce that, that product? We're going to have to, you know, eventually do, like, what Andrew did with the factory-type setup, uh, but to keep them fresh, and just like we have them in our shop in Johnson Street, that's very important to us, so... We don't want to, you know, turn into like a hostess cupcake thing. Yeah, not not yeah. dogging their stuff, no, but no, they, uh, I don't want it just sitting on a shelf, not refrigerated. You know, it has right. to be quality. It tastes just like it left our shop. So that's the thing we're going to have to work towards. But right now we're doing kind of an experimental phase with our business uh, as having, we call them sweet spots on, on the UL yes. campus. So we're working with um, Oh, wow. So is, where is it? At the food court? We, we have two spots in the uh, student union, the new student union over there, and they're really awesome kind of um, areas where the students can walk by, see them, uh, pick out. Oh, the, we, we bring about five cupcake. flavors over there. We have 15 or 16 at our shop on Johnston. So it's more of like an express location yeah. is what we're calling it, where the kids can get, you know, one of five flavors or a few. And they're, they're individually packaged. So, you know, if you want to come get a dozen or so, you'd want to come to our, our shop on Johnston, our original location. But there they can just grab one or two, bring them to class, bring one or two to the teacher as a brown nosing gift. Uh, <laughs> Bring it to a girl they like. I could like be bought for that. Yeah, so should actually name one of them that, actually. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. The brown, the, brown nose. Nose. <laughs> the kids love them because they can use their, uh, their, their food uh, cards, the DB cards there, oh, to, nice. to get them. So it's not like they have to spend their money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So. Your parents are paying for cupcakes. Yep. That's really great. They, you mentioned uh, kind of switching from cakes to cupcakes. I mean, you, you've had to, because it's your business and there was no other cupcake place around, you've had to make a lot of decisions on the fly, right? Exactly. Um, it would have been... A ton easier just to go get a franchise, you know, follow their rule books. If this happens, then you go to plan B. If this, We didn't ever have a plan B. We just kind of <laughs> made it all up as we went. Um, so it's, it's been a huge learning curve for us. You both have to deal with um, um, the FDA. I mean, these are, yeah. these, are <laughs> these are products that need to be approved. What did, uh, for instance, um, 
Andrew, what did you do when you got started there? Well, you actually, when you're doing an herbal product, you're not classifying. You used one of the words earlier that I would never use. I wouldn't use the word cure. Okay. FDA is picky about verbiage, so you can't say cure, treat, heal. And we don't say that. We just, it's about targeting the symptoms. Okay. You're not saying you heal. Like, for example, some things aren't healable. Eczema, psoriasis, these are systemic issues. Okay. So even our product, it'll get rid of. We've had people again and again come to us, the big nasty rashes, the itch on their arms, they're gone in a few days. But it's still there if they quit using the product. Keep it away. All they're doing okay. is keeping the symptoms in check so they don't have something visible to the other people see that's gross on their skin, basically, and something that doesn't irritate them. But it's still in their system. And even the, the drugs you see, Humira and things like that on TV, it's not about even those things that have been approved by the FDA. They won't even claim they heal it and cure it because that's something they have to use pretty much the rest of their life. Oh, I see. So the Very question much. is, do you want to use something that's $1,000 a month that requires injections at a doctor you know, every month that may or may not work for you? Or do you want to try something natural first and see if it alleviates the symptoms? And, that, and this has worked for so many people to that end. So you mentioned if it's an herbal product, it doesn't have to go through... Quite well, the same. If you don't classify it, I mean, you okay. claim it's. A, if you make drug claims by saying this will heal this, this will cure this, they're powerful words that you want to, don't want to use because that's something you can put under drug thing with approval. But we don't even make those claims. Yeah, we just yeah. say try it on this, try it on that, and it's like people come back to us again and again. Oh my God, it took care of this. You know, and it's like <laughs> um, you've got a, a kitchen open to the public. Oh, what do you have to go through? So, I mean, there's, there's strict guidelines by the Department of Health, Louisiana Department of Health, that we have to follow just like every restaurant in town. Now, one of the things that we run into since we opened is they've passed a cottage food law so people can bake, make cookies, cakes, and stuff out of their house as long as they I don't report over law, a certain yeah. amount. Well, we're kind of like, why don't they have to get inspected by the health board? Why, don't, why doesn't this have to happen? So that was kind of an issue for us about a year ago, but it really hasn't affected our business at all. Um, so good for them if they can make money selling cupcakes and stuff out of their houses. <laughs> we, we, we put out just volume out of our shop, so we can do about 1,200. Do you write messages uh, on the cupcakes? We can do that. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we have uh, customizable sugar printing uh, capabilities, <laughs> so I can do company logos, uh, whatever, you know, happy birthday, Tom, whatever you want to have a say. You know, so it's it's a pretty neat little Let me ask you a question to both of you, though. Is um, If we brought you back on the show a couple of years from now, what do you think, I'll start with you, Andrew, what, how would your company be different? What do you Different? got ahead of you? Yeah. Well, in terms of growth, I mean, there's huge expectation because we're in a handful of stores, a tiny amount of stores, really. But we've already shown the product sells in grocery stores, health food stores. I'm even in a chain of um, tobacco shops where they actually sell, you know, cartons of cigarettes. Right. Convenience stores. Sells well there. Basically, my product sells everywhere people have skin. <laughs> I, I've had no luck with the skinless customers at all. But I hope but, you tell the bank that. That is really a... But that's it. So it should be, I'm hoping to be in 30, 40,000 stores. I mean, there's no reason I can't be. There's and then the, what would that do to you uh, production-wise? Oh, well, it would be phenomenal, yeah. I mean, just Could you, could you do it? Or it it couldn't could in this facility, probably. I could, uh, there's some room to expand in this facility, but it, we just start gearing up as necessary. And, and theoretically, you could outsource it. You could at some point outsource I'd rather not. I'd rather keep it local and right. here. But it, at some point, you get into needing you know, multi-million-dollar machines that sit there and bottle tens of thousands of bottles that right. quick. And, Dustin, what about yourself? You've, um, we came back a couple of years later. What, what, right now, you've got the, the location on... Johnson, you've got uh, the, the food UL court spots. at UL. What, what do you think going forward? You mentioned grocery stores. Yeah, we'd like to uh, eventually have, you know, just like you have display areas over there, Andrew, we'd like to have like a little display fridge at grocery store, almost like a uh, point of sale, uh, impulse buy type deal where if you see it while you're checking out, oh, let me grab a cupcake while I'm here. Um, let me ask you how that would work. Would you end up bringing the refrigerator 
to the facility. Right, it'd be that, it'd be like yours. one of our things, yeah, okay. you know, uh, with our logos and so things. That's like that. So uh, that's that that's sense. one idea that we have. So we could be in you know upscale. I don't call them gas stations, but convenience stores. Yeah, yeah. They're, yep. they're starting to look really great. I don't know if you've been to some of them on the Ambassador that are just they're nice. Yeah, they're awesome. They have nice coffee shops inside. They're yeah. totally different than what. Yeah. we had back in the day. <laughs> uh, but so that's uh, they don't that's do your windshield anymore. Yeah, but grocery the place stores, great, uh, schools, hospitals. Everybody wants a cupcake at a hospital. You're either well, depressed because yeah. somebody's sick, or you're, you're happy because <laughs> you got some good news, or you know, so you want to go grab something sweet while you're there. That we'll have them. So that, I, that's a, that's one of our concepts that we're working on. So I know you're working like dogs during the day, but at night you're right. thinking about what's next. I guess got to constantly keep keep thinking, <laughs> keep ahead. Now it's the time where we do the checklist. It's a little part of the show where we take a tiny break and just act, ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. I want to start with Andrew. Um, when you were a child, uh, were you in any leadership or entrepreneurial ventures? I, I always had an Emmy. I wasn't anything formal, but my, my entrepreneurial story or creative story, I should say, was early on. I was about five years old and jealous because I visited someone's house and they had a slide on their swing set. And we just had a plain old swing set. And so I was evidently inventive at that age, five years old. I'm walking around my yard and I see a big board on the ground, a big wooden plank. And I put together, if I lean it against that neighbor's fence, I can climb up there and make a slide. And I was so proud of myself, I somehow hoisted this heavy board up there, made a perfect slide, climbed up, and then I thought, wait a minute, my first slide down is going to be on my stomach. <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm going down the stomach. So yeah. I slid down, and yeah, I basically <laughs> splinter stapled my shirt all the way down my chest, and uh, oh I still have a God. small scar there to show my proof. <laughs> but uh, ran screaming to my mom, and it was bloody. It was wonderful. But that was my first adventure. <laughs> and you thought, I want to do more yeah. of this. Yeah, and then a few years later, uh, yeah, we, me and my sisters basically got together with some neighbor kids, and we have a big barn, and we were going to make a haunted house. And we were entrepreneurial then. We were thinking how much money we could make. We, we spent about three weeks as young kids building this thing and, and sophisticated. I mean, we did all kinds of things. It, it was a modern haunted house. And all the kids from our school came. We thought we were going to make a fortune, but, you know, we were charged like a nickel apiece. So. <laughs> and they ran out of money, but again and again, and it was just a but great it, story. But it was a good feeling. Yeah, we put all that. When I think about the work we put in, it, just to get that, and it was like phenomenal. It's like, wow, we were ambitious back then. So, and Wow. Well, what that type they, of thing. What does it they say? If you're a kid and you got a fat friend, there are no <laughs> seesaws, only catapults. Yeah, only catapults. That's, That's right. right. The, uh, <laughs> like, uh, now, Dustin, um, did you ever uh, have a nickname? I mean, uh, I see the tattoo and all. I'm wondering. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so coming up as a kid, I, w I started skateboarding at eight or nine. So I was always just dirty and bruised and scabby <laughs> from falling so much. Yeah, that's so right. <laughs> I was kind of like the pig pan of the uh, group, so they called me Dirty D. So that stuck dirty forever. Dirty D, wow. Yeah, I could never get away from that all through high school. I was Dirty D. Well, we started the cupcake shop a few years ago, and... I decided to clean up my image. So one of the cupcakes that I liked that my wife wanted to name after me, I called the Delicious D. Because oh, it sounded a little more appetizing. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to go by now. I'm not, I'm not Dirty D anymore. <laughs> we know the story behind Delicious D now. Yeah, that's, that's, right. so great. That, that's one of our cupcake flavors. It's not on the menu right now. but yeah, it's. And, and we're talking about the way you get time. Uh, yeah. uh, you can grow it and such. But where does your time come from? I have to import it. Um, I, import, I mean, bring it from out of state, rather. I had it um, a small grower in Sunset originally, organic growing, and she had greenhouses, but she was kind of semi-retired. And so early days when I started, she could make enough. And then we, I got to that point where she was like, Andrew, I, I can't keep trimming off more of these trimmings and getting more of this stuff. And so she gave me some contacts So Washington State, Oregon. I get it from some western states where they have large greenhouses and organic farms making it 
year-round. So. And the thing, when you were talking earlier, I began to wonder if dermatologists were on your side or we'll you try. were viewed as a threat. Right? It, it, it's, it's a little bit of both. I've had probably, I've had at least eight customers come up to me and tell me they don't even go to their dermatologist anymore. Sorry. So there's the threat part. But, <laughs> okay, but maybe yeah. on the flip side, it's like, like one of my favorite stories at the farmer's market, a lady, um, she runs, makes homemade ravioli and sells them there. She came up to me about a year ago and she had had radiation treatment for some type of cancer. It left all these lesions all over her leg. And she came up and told me, Andrew, I've been going to this doctor trying to get rid of the lesions now. He's giving me all kinds of creams and steroids. Nothing's working. I got to try this. So go for it. Four or five days later, she came up to me, gone, gone. And she said, I'm going to go tell my doctor. She went and told her doctor. He was interested and curious. She even gave him my card. And he, she said, he's, I swear he's going to call you. I said, I'll wait for that call. Still waiting for <laughs> that still call. still waiting. I have a half a dozen that are going to call me. So I understand there's a threat. Yeah. You can't write a prescription for this. Right. Um, I, it'd be nice to know there's a vet, a veterinarian, because I've had those stories too, or a doctor that would be open-minded enough to say, look, here's a prescription for this, but consider just going to the store and buying that. You know, And if that works for you, then don't fill a prescription. You know, there's... Why yeah. feel something that has potentially harsh side effects, you know, but then again, would they ever come back to the doctor? I guess that's the question. If it works, I don't know. That, that, that was why I They was get big bills to pay, too, for, for um, right. medical school, so eh, I don't know. You don't want to have a lot of dermatologists living under the overpants. Yeah, that's very, right. Very <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> what about, um, do you have doctors that have tested it? Uh, how do you do no, something and like that? that? And that's just it. The only route to go there is to actually classify it as a drug, and then okay. you go through all these huge studies you have to do, and then you can classify it as a drug. But the problem there is it's not, um, normally a drug is patentable. You patent it, and, and I'm sure there are drug companies actually working on the compounds in there, and what they're probably doing is trying to isolate which compounds do that, have the benefits, then they will synthesize them, then they'll get a patent on that synthesized product, and then they'll have it in whatever form, and then the doctor will prescribe it, and they have protection over that. But then it's no longer a natural product anymore, and yeah. so I'm just sticking with a natural product. So and both you know. of you guys are kind of small batch people compared to the, sure, you sure. know, the big commercial products. Like, for instance... You're, they sell cupcakes in the grocery store sure. now, and such. Um, yours because you've got all fresh ingredients. All it can't. It's got to be more expensive, right? It is, and uh, you know, the bigger we get, the the better bulk buying we can do. But yep. there's still a point, you know, when everything keeps going up. As you know, the gas prices went up a few years ago. Well, gas prices are back down, but none of our stuff's gone back down. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's always an issue, you know. Um, just watching the fluctuations in the economy. Uh, kind of helps us hurts us so right. we try to we try to just bob and weave and and stick and duck <laughs> you know uh, and just kind of move with the punches but um it's it's definitely gonna be interesting in a few years when we try to push forward with doing our small factory concepts you know to see like how much better our grocers can do for us right. or how much better our packaging people can do for us so um that's just stuff we have to and we're only five and a half years old you know i don't expect to take over the world and in 10 years, so right, we'll see right. what happens, but you know, we just keep every day putting one foot in front of the other and pushing forward and trying to make people smile and happy with these cupcakes. You can't make them smile with a cupcake. You just can't make them smile. There's really <laughs> the, uh, the, I wanted to ask both of you this question. is: I, We talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, and they get successful to a point like you have, and they start coming up with the issue of scale. And, uh, and you know, it's a, it's a confusing issue because you may be happy now and maybe you could be successful but not happy at a larger, uh, at larger production. How do you get, get your arms around that? Do you talk to your family about what this would involve? You mean, you mean growing too quickly? Yeah. Or growing too, yeah, yeah, growing too quickly. I experienced that before with a different business years ago, and there was a threshold, and it's hard to determine for me, but it was you know, bigger revenues and all this, and the company's growing and more people working for you, but 
Well, you're right. Your happiness level doesn't necessarily go up. So finding that happy medium is, and I don't know what that's going to be for me. I don't know what it's going to be for him, but right. I don't think there is anything. You want to conquer the world and say it's everywhere, but it can be a headache too, you know? So that's right, yeah. There's a trade-off. I, I know ours time. will be in, you know, having more management underneath us. Right now, we're basically owners, employees, and managers all wrapped all up in right. one, plus <laughs> the janitor, plus the <laughs> delivery driver. Same plus the, that's, uh, you know, something that we're going to have to get away from eventually, which will hopefully help our happiness levels, give us more time to do stuff that we used to do, free time. Yep. Um, but right now, just we're going to keep pushing forward as hard as we can. Uh, we're, we're still relatively young, you know, I'm about to be 40, so uh, I don't think we could have done this in our 20s. We would have had more energy, but definitely not the wisdom or the, the, the wherewithal yeah. to yeah. push through. Andrew, Dustin, you're in very different businesses, but you're each doing something that you really want to do, and in, in your own way, you're each bringing something positive to other people's lives. Thanks so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Absolutely. Thank you. It was Appreciate fun. It. Great to hear these stories. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dustin Malonson, he's co-owner of Sophie P. Cakes, and Andrew Clenner. Now, he's the creator of Time Out. You can find out more about Andrew's healthy skin and Dustin's cupcakes by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Charlie G's Restaurant Lafayette. Charlie G's is open six days a week for lunch and dinner and live music Thursday through Saturday. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. If you want to know what we all look like here, that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering that right now, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken by Gwen Oquin. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's kadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Gardens Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette offers complimentary airport shuttle and within a three-mile radius, reaching downtown shopping and local restaurants. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Charlie G's. For more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Gordon Lafayette.